about one of the great things. Why should, you know, what are we, uh, what is so great? What are we looking forward to when we talk about the best things are yet to come? One day we're going to see the Lord. We're going to see our Savior. Isn't that going to be wonderful and awesome? Just to see the Lord. I think that's going to be enough. I think it is. It's just going to be, you know, all Mary wanted to do is sit at the feet of Jesus. We're going to be able to be there with the Lord and love him and, and uh, just be in his presence. That's going to be an awesome thing. But the Bible also tells us something else that's going to come. We're going to have a new body coming. A new body coming. Praise God for that one. Amen. He talks about here in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. He says, for our conversation, that idea here means the manner of living. Your manner of living, your, your citizenship, if you would, is in heaven. Folks, we are, we, our citizenship, we talked about this morning, we're, we're pilgrims and strangers. We're living in a land that really doesn't belong to us. That's why we ought to hold things very loosely in this world. This is not our home. You say, well, pastor, you know what? My mindset is this. I've got th this mindset. I've got the American dream. I've got to have a house and two cars. I've got to have, a, have to have some children. I have to have a dog, and I have to have a, you know, my gun. You got to have in Montana. You got to have a gun, at least one or two or three or four. Uh, bless God. I remember going to Brother Harold Graham's house, and uh, he was showing me some of his guns. He had he had safes of guns. I think what had two or three safes, and they didn't just have just one or two guns. They were loaded with guns, loaded with guns. He had guns all over the place. You name it, I think he probably had. He could open his own gun, gun store right there with Brother Harold. But uh, he loved guns. And, you know, we think that if I just have all of that, that's what life is all about. The Bible says, what if we gain the whole world and we lose our own soul? What should we give in exchange for our soul? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You say, Pastor, that means I get a whole bunch of guns? No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I think, you know, what happens is simply this. When I put God first in my life, God will give me the desires of our heart. When we honor God with our life, God will do some amazing and wonderful things in our life. He will draw us close to himself. He will give us his peace. He will give us his joy. And our conversation, folks, is in heaven. These things in the world are temporal. They're only passing for a short period of time. And if you're uh, living to get things, I can guarantee you, you will have no peace. But what you will find is this. You will get that thing, you'll have it for a while, and pretty soon you'll want something more. And then you'll get this thing and you'll want something more. And the more things that you have, if you're just living for things, you're going to find that it's empty and it's not going to give you the peace that you seek. The peace that comes in this life really comes from Jesus Christ. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Uh, Paul said that in 1 Timothy chapter 6. When people thought, well, God, you know, uh, godliness was, uh, you were really godly when you had things. Folks, you're not, doesn't mean you have, you're godly if you have things. Uh, if so, then that, that widow that gave her two mites that we were talking about this morning uh, would not have been godly. But I think Jesus kind of pointed to her godliness and that she was willing to honor God with the little that she had. Uh, I think I, I submit to you the fact that, that if things were the important things, the woman with the alabaster box, when she brought that ointment for Jesus and broke that vase, and that's when the sweetness came out, when she broke the bottle and she used it on Jesus. 
See, the things that we have here are just tools to be used for the glory of God. And when we realize that we turn over our rights and different things to the Lord, then we understand what joy and peace comes from doing that. And God has that plan. So here he says, for our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior. Hey, we're looking for Jesus to return, aren't we? We talk about the rapture and how wonderful that is that Jesus is going to return. We talked about that a little bit this morning, that Jesus is coming again. He's coming to take his own to heaven. And I don't know about you, I'm ready. John said, even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Well, John the Apostle, as he was saying that in Revelation 22, uh, he, he was hoping that he, Jesus would come quickly in his time. Uh, there were some more things that had to be done, and we've seen those things, I believe, in this, these last few days uh, that we are living in, and things are ramping up real quick uh, and prepping for uh, the, the need for uh, the world to have a one-world ruler because the world is in a mess. It's not just one nation or this nation. All these nations together are in a mess. And so they'll be looking for one person. And I believe that Antichrist, he's, I think he's alive right now. I think someplace he's alive and uh, being prepped for uh, the job that he has before him. But the Bible says the Lord's going to come. Verse 21, who shall change our vile bodies that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto his himself. Now, the word change there is an interesting word. It comes from two Greek words, meta, which means with, and schema, which means form or habit. The Bible talks about who shall change our vile body. The Lord's going to change this body. He's going to change the things that are going on in this body. That's, that's going to be an amazing thing. And he talks about it's the power of God that's able to change those things. That word schema is where we get our word schematic. Uh, it's, trans, it's used in the King James Version. It's, it's used twice to be uh, in the word transform. That's how it's translated. Or it's to transfer into a figure one time. Transform uh, of self or to change. That, these are different ways that it's used. When God took Enoch home, as we talked about this morning, the Bible says he translated him. Go to Hebrews chapter 11 and, and verse number 5. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 5. Hebrews 11 and verse number 5. It says, By faith Enoch was translated, that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, I think, you know what he, God's trying to get across here? Uh, he's translated. He was changed. Okay? Before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. That word trans, uh, translated there is the idea to transport or to change. Enoch's body had to change before he could go to heaven. God translated him. God changed his body. Enoch could not go to heaven the way that he was. God had to change that body, that earthen body. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You can put a little marker here in 1 Corinthians 15 because we're going to be coming back here. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 50. Paul is speaking here to the church at Corinth. Some people had thought that, that there was no resurrection from the dead. Boy, I'm glad that, that those people aren't right. Uh, Paul tells me, you know what? Jesus rose from the dead. He's the first begotten uh, of, the, of the dead. And because he lives, basically, we will live too. And we're looking forward to that time. 
And he tells us here in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be what? Changed. We're all, believers are all going to be changed. We've got to be changed, translated. And so God says, I'm going to change this old body. So what's the change that we're talking about here? When we're talking about things that are going to be coming, we've got things the best is yet to come. Hey, we're going to get a new body. Well, what about, you know, what, you know some people, I mean, they like their body. They like their body a lot. I think there's a lot of people who don't like their body. You say, well, how do you know? They keep plastic surgeons and in, in, uh, rolling in dough. You know, you know, I don't like my nose. I want it to be longer. I want it to be shorter. I want cheeks. I don't want any cheeks. I, I, I want to I get rid of the jowls. I, I don't want to look old. I remember that used to be years ago, there was one of the guys on uh, American Bandstand. And that, that guy, he had so many facelifts. He looked like when he was like 60 or 70, he looked like he was trying to be 40. Uh, you know, try, you, you can try all you want, but I'll tell you what, this old body is just falling out and falling apart on the inside. You can't, you're not going to change it. And uh, so, but some people, they, they do like, you know, they like the way they look. You know how I know? Because you can go down here to the physical fitness place and people do this. In front of the mirror. Why do they put all those mirrors? Because, you know, when you look at yourself, I mean, you can get, now some of you that might be watching on, on the, on the uh, internet and watching as we're live streaming here, don't you get offended. The Bible says bodily exercise profiteth little. But godliness is profitable to all things. A lot of times we spend more time in, in taking care of our body than we do taking care of our spiritual body, our spiritual inside, the inner man. We're so much concerned about what we're going to do with this body. We ought to take care of this body, but I'm telling you, we ought to take care of our spiritual man because that part is what's going to live on. God has to change this body. And so as we look at this portion of Scripture, consider as we look in this, this idea in 1 Corinthians 15, the earthly body compared to our heavenly body. We give some comparison as we look in this portion of Scripture. Go back just a few verses from where we were. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In verse 35, it says, But some man will say, How are the dead raised up, and with what body do they, they come? In other words, you're going to get a new glorified body. What's it, what's it going to be like? Well, he goes on to Paul goes on to explain, verse 36. Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened or made alive except it die. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, the future body, but bare grain. It may chance of wheat or of some other grain, but God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. Notice here verse 39, all flesh is not the same flesh. You try to take pig flesh and you try to put it into a person and you know what? Your body wants to reject that. They have to give you drugs to, not, to, to stop trying to reject that new pig heart or the pig whatever because your body is different than that pig. We are not all the same. Now evolutionists would like us to have, believe that we all came from the same primeval soup, but can I tell you something? God created man different. Not all flesh is the same flesh. But there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, and another of birds. 
There are also celestial, heavenly bodies, and bodies terrestrial, earthly. But the glory of the celestial is one, the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. For one star differeth from another star in glory. In other words, if you look at an astronomy and you look at the different stars, they don't all look alike. They may have some similar characteristics, but they're different. And God has created those stars and he's created bodies uh, differently to please him. So also is the resurrection from the dead. Now notice, as we look about this earthly body, some things about this earthly body, it is sown in corruption. This earthly body is sown in corruption. You say, what do you mean? This earthly body is corrupted. That's what that idea of corruption is, sown in corruption. This earthly body has issues. How many of your body, how many of you have some issue in your earthly body? You know, there's something going on. You know, we need glasses. I remember I went to one of the, uh, uh, I was, my parents had a, a, had a uh, bookstore, a Christian bookstore in Reading, and, and we had some books at a, uh, we were asked to bring some books and sell them at a, at a uh, charismatic, charismatic uh, church. Uh, get together. It was a large group. All these different people were there, and so we had some books that, that were there, and uh, they had one of the faith healers there, and the faith healer said, you know what? If you just have enough faith, you can believe, and God will answer your prayer no matter what it is. He says, if you've got a, if you've got a sore back, you can just pray and believe that God's going to heal your back, and God heals your back. Uh, you can pray that, that God, you know, if you have uh, glasses, you can just throw away your glasses. You won't need those anymore. You got crutches, you can just pray. And, God, and so, you know, a lot of that's hocus pocus, folks. Uh, a lot of that, they, they say what people want to say. And, you know, uh, if, if it doesn't happen the way that you want it to happen, it's your fault because you didn't have enough faith. That's what they say. But as I was listening to this guy and he was having people come up and they were laying hands on him and boom, and the people were falling down. And, and can I tell you something? Nowhere in the scriptures does it say they fell down. I, I see in the scriptures when people were healed that they, they raised him up. You know, the man in Acts, uh, you know, that was lame and Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He extended his hand and he took him by the hand and he was walking, he lifted him up, he was walking and leaping and praising God. Folks, we got the, the world, Satan has imitated the things of God and people have bought in to the false teaching of, of these things. And so when I was listening to this guy and he was doing all this stuff, I said, well, you know what? If, if maybe he, what he's saying is true. And you know, you say, Pastor, I got you now saying that. No, here's, here's the thing. I didn't believe it was true to begin with. So I thought, you know, I'm going to take off my glasses. I don't need these anymore. Wait a minute. I can't even read the clock back there. You say, well, Pastor, see, it was your faith. No, you know what? My God can do whatever he wants. My God can heal. The Bible teaches faith healing not faith healers. You look at that in the book of James chapter 5. The prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. Many times in the faith healing movement, people are looking to, uh, to and they lift up the Holy Spirit and want the Holy Spirit. Well, you can tell it's not of God. Why? Because John chapter 16, when Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit coming, he says the Holy Spirit will not speak of himself but he will point people to Jesus. Well, they're always talking about the Holy Spirit's doing this, and the Holy Spirit's... No, 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 it's going to be lifting up Jesus. 
So you see a difference in, in an explanation to be able to prove and to, and to rightly divide the word of truth. So as we look at this idea, though, um, the Bible says here that our old body is corrupted. We need glasses. We need hearing aids. Some of us don't hear as well as we used to hear. Um, but sometimes, you know, it doesn't, and hearing doesn't necessarily mean about age. Some of you people that have kids, you understand what I'm talking about. You call them. Our little dog, uh, Tucker, boy, he's, we call him, and he's just like kids. He just kind of trots off and do, does his own thing. He just turns a deaf ear to you. So you know what I have to do? I have to go over, and today I had to go get him and spank him, get his, get his attention. He knew exactly. You know, it's, it wasn't he didn't know. He knew exactly when, they, when he turned around. He had heard the first time. But he decided, well, you know, hey, that's how Christians are sometimes. We turn a deaf ear to God. We turn a deaf ear to the truth of God's word. And God has to take us out and spank us sometimes before we'll finally listen to his truth, to listen to what he has to say. But uh, we, we, have, you know, we have hearing aids, we have deformities, we have aches and pains. Anybody have any aches and pains? Goodness. You get aches and pains, you go out and you work hard. I was going to ask Jacob, did you have aches and pains after working out and and the concrete block. Brother, Brother Scott was praying for you this morning for all that hard work that you had to do and that, you know, that, you'd, uh, that you, know, you wouldn't have all those aches and pains. But you know what? That's why it says we're to bear that in our youth. Amen. When we're young, we can handle that. Uh, older we get, we have more of those things. Turn with me, if you would, keep your finger here in this portion, but go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, I remember uh, hearing uh, J. Vernon McGee preach one time on the on the radio, and he was talking about that uh, his, he was groaning and, and moaning, and, and his wife says, why are you groaning and moaning? He says, I'm trying to be spiritual. God says that in this body we groan. <laughs> Romans chapter 8, as we look at this portion, in Romans chapter, chapter number 8, verse number 21, look what it says. It says, because the creatures itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption, here's that idea of corruption again, unto the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. All, all of creation groans and travails. Look with me. Uh, go to uh, 1 Corinthians, if you would. Uh, 1 Corinthians. Or, uh, excuse me, 2 Corinthians. Sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. Verse 1, he says, For we know that we are, for if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we, what? We groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, our body, which is from heaven. If so, that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle, this body, do groan, being burdened. Not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. This old body, we groan. We groan in this old body. This old body has problems, and, and it groaneth. From birth, we are headed in a downward progression. Someone has said, from the moment we are born, we begin to die. 
I came across an article that was interesting. It was dated February 11th, May uh, 2012. In, the, in this article, it said, Our bodies are born to die, and the decay starts to kick in after we have turned 55. Oh, great. If you're over 55, uh, you know, you're, you start going down. Uh, this is at a point at which our DNA starts to degenerate, which increases the risk of developing cancer. This is the con conclusion of a comprehensive genetic study carried out by a large international consortium. The findings that have just been published in the scientific journal Nature Genetics. The study shows that our bodies are really good in repairing DNA damage until we reach the age of around 55, says Professor Mads Melby, the executive vice president of SSI, who headed the Danish contribution to the project. After this point, our ability to fight off foreign or diseased cells starts to decline gradually. You know, our bodies, we start to die. The wages of sin is death. For as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. We experience pain and suffering and sorrow and death because of sin. Hebrews 9.27, as it's appointed unto man, wants to die. Now, I don't understand. We have some people that go and they say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to freeze myself and I'm going to come back to life when they have, uh, when they have the, uh, the, the cure for whatever I got. So they go to these freezing centers. They do have these, by the way. They go in and they get frozen. And they figure that in a couple thousand years, when they have, uh, you know, developed in their thinking, uh, they're, going to come, they're going to bring them back to life. The Bible says, as the body without the spirit is dead. Who gives the spirit? It is God. It's not man. So this old body is sown in corruption. It's corrupted. It's on its way to decay. Not only that, it's sown in dishonor and weakness. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 43. It's sown in dishonor and weakness. Look what it says. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 43. It says, it is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, and it is raised in power. He's talking about the new body there. It is sown in dishonor, it is sown in weakness. That word dishonor comes from two Greek words, Ah, which means not, or, and time, which means a valuing by which a price is fixed. The idea this old body is in dishonor. It's, it's not valuable. You say, well, pastor, there's, uh, now we're not, we're talking about as far as uh, value of price. Uh, at one point, I think it was like $1.35 or something like that, all the elements of the body. It's not, it's not very valuable in that part. Now, it's valuable to God. It's valuable as a vessel to be used by God if we use it for God. But folks, may I share with you that the, the value of this body, take all the, the elements and stuff that you could really get from that, it's not very much. It's sown in dishonor. It's sown in weakness. It's sown in weakness. This body is weak. It's weak. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40, verse number 28. It says, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. 
There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the what? Faint. He gives power to the faint. When you and I, when we're faint, God can give power. Notice. And to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. That verse in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. God can give us power when we have no power, when we have no strength. God can give that to us. Verse number 30, even the youth shall faint and be weary. Well, it's not about just the old people that have that problem. Young people, young people, you know, they, they work and they, and, and they run and they, and they jump and they play and they do all those things. And some of you have some of those little ones, but if you just hold them or you make them sit down for, for five seconds, boom, they're gone. <laughs> they, just go to, they, just go, they just go until they can go no more and then they just they go to sleep. Well, he says, even the youth shall be get weary and they shall faint. The young men shall utterly fall, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That Hebrew word renew is the, the idea of exchange. God exchanges our weakness for his strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. God gives strength to those that are weak. This old body is, this old flesh is weak. How many have started a project and you said, well, you know, this project's not going to take very long and I've got lots of strength and you get out there and the project takes a little longer than you thought and pretty soon, you know what, you just run out of energy. I remember one time we were, we were changing out some posts on our, uh, on our driveway out there when we had redwood posts lining our, the driveway and we had several of them putting in and they had, they had some spikes, uh, some uh, rebar in there and, and I thought, well, this is not going to take very long. We'll just take these, put... Drill a couple holes, put the rebar in, and it'll be, be easy. But uh, as I started, I found out really quickly why they call this the Rocky Mountain area. Put, drilled the holes, no problem. Put the, put the rebar in, got, had that all lined up, went whoop, bang, and the thing bounced back up. Uh, oh, no. So I started uh, doing it again. Hey, we hit a rock. So I started digging the rock, and I had got one rock. And here in our area, you know, you get at one rock, you got another rock that's holding that rock in its place. And so then you get another rock, and you get another rock. And so now I'm having to dig these holes out, all these different holes. I thought I was just going to be able to take it and hit that thing in, and it was going to go right in. Whoever put these things in before didn't use just a sledgehammer and put the holes in. Because when I pulled out the rebar that had been there before, the rebar went like this. They had one of those pounders. It hit that rebar, it went down, and it turned that thing. I mean, it just, when I pulled it out, I said, what in the world? It hit that rock, and that rock wasn't going to stop that rebar. I mean, you know, it just bent that rebar in that place, and it held it in its place. So that little job... Goodness, it was during the middle of the summertime. You know, we had to take advantage of the summer. I thought I was going to have a heat stroke out there when we were doing that. Uh, and we did our side. And then the neighbor said, oh, that looks so nice. How about doing our side, too? And I thought, oh, no. You know what? You utterly, you, you lose your strength. You lose your, your energy. This old flesh gets weak. When you've got so much to do and you want to get it done in the, in the amount of time and you just run out of energy to get it done, our flesh is weak. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 
to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26, verse 41. Matthew chapter 26 and verse number 41. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's taken the disciples with him. And then he told the, the bulk of the disciples to stay here and took Peter, James, and John and he went a little bit further up and he said, now, he said, now you watch and pray, sit and pray because I'm going to go on a little bit further. Verse 38, he says, Then said he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death, tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, this is Jesus, O my Father, if it will be possible, let this cup pass from me. He's talking about cup of, cup of suffering. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto his disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Just a little bit of time here. Couldn't you stay awake for one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit is willing, what? But the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup uh, may not pass from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and he went again, away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words, then cometh he to his disciples, and he saith unto them, Sleep on now, take your rest, behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed unto the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going, behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. The Spirit was willing, boy, I want to I do what God says to do. I'll pray with you. Have you ever found that that's exactly what starts happening many times when you start praying? You start you know, praying when you're in there in bed and you're, you say, you know, you have your prayer list, you start praying, and all of a sudden, you just nod off. And then you'll wake up and, you say, and you'll pick up, try to pick up where you left off. You know what? Our spirit is willing. We want to do what's right, but our flesh is weak. Our flesh is weak. Notice something else about this old body. It's natural. It's a natural body. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's a natural body. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 44. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. It, that word, it's sown a natural body. The idea here is it's, a, it, it's the Greek idea of the sensuous nature which is subject to the appetites and the passions of this body. We have the senses, smell and taste and touch and all those. Those are senses that deal with our flesh. We recognize things. We have sight and hearing and those things. Those are our senses. This flesh is, has appetites and direction. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, if you go back there, look what, he, what Paul says here about the natural Man, the person who's living by his flesh. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. The person who's living according to the flesh. You're living according to the appetites of your flesh. You're doing what your flesh wants. 
The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Why? For, here's the purpose, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because, why? They are spiritually discerned. A natural man, a person who's lost without Jesus Christ, he doesn't understand spiritual things. It doesn't matter if you have a Ph.D. That person cannot understand the truths of God's Word because it comes because the Spirit of God enlightens those who are His. And so here, when we're talking about a natural man, a person who lives after the natural appetites, the natural desires of the flesh, they're living by the things that of our flesh. Go with me to Ephesians chapter number two, or Ephesians chapter two. Ephesians chapter two. Ephesians chapter two and verse one it says, "And you hath he quickened, talking of the Lord Jesus, as quickened us who have, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according." To the prince of the power of the air, that's Satan, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Notice verse 3. Among whom also ye all had your conversation or manner of living in time past. Notice, in the lust or the passions of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. You say, what does it mean, fulfilling the desires of the flesh? Well, if... You go to the, the store, give you an idea, and you start walking up and down the aisles and you have not eaten in a while. Have you ever known that, and seen that when you have not eaten in a while and you start walking up the aisles and down the aisles, you say, man, this looks good, and that looks good, and that looks good, and that looks good, and pretty soon your cart is full. Now, if you were full, and then you go to the store, to buy, that's the time when you should go to buy at the store. It's when you're full, you have, you've eaten a big meal and you just, you know, you're ready for a nap. Go to the store then and buy your groceries because you're not going to be subject to wanting to buy all these things because you say, man, I would eat this and I'll eat this and I'll eat this. Now, and, and that's how we are. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of our mind. In other words, when you come down to the point when you have two pieces of pie there and you say, you know what, I'm going to have them, I'm going to have them both. One of the ladies in our church in California, bless her heart, she, was, she, she had no willpower. She had no willpower. If there was all sorts of stuff out there, man, and cookies especially, and, and, and pies and all that type of stuff, she would just load up on all the cookies and pies and everything. And she said, you know what, I just shouldn't have all this. But she'd eat it all anyway. So it doesn't, you know, it desires of the flesh and of the mind. And, and you know, when we're living by our flesh, it, we have to learn to tell our flesh no. There's some things that we have to learn to, to tell our flesh. No, that's what Paul talks about, that uh, you know, if we're going to run a race that, and learn masteries, what we have to do is tell our flesh no. When you want to spend the, the extra hour in bed and you know you have an appointment and you know you need to be there and you hit the snooze bar and you hit the, hit the snooze bar, and you hit the snooze bar. Anybody ever done that? <laughs> yeah. Amen. Amen. We can hit those snooze bars. And you say, well, Pastor, I really... It's harder for you to get... You know, you, you hit it about ten times. It's harder to get up then. You have to get up. It would be better for you just to bite the bullet and get up. Tell your flesh, no, I'm going to get up and do it. 
Or just set your clock at the very last point when you know that you have to get up and do it. Because, you know, you don't get much sleep in those last little five minutes anyway, in increments. But our nature, our body, if it feels right, do it. If it feels good, do it. Well, you know, that's what the devil told Eve. Hey, that fruit over there. Hey, if you partake of that fruit, you'll be just like God. And when she started looking at the fruit, she saw that it was good for food. It was, it was good to make you wise. And it was pleasant. And she partook of the fruit. She fulfilled the lust of the flesh and of the mind. You know, sin is pleasurable for a season. Doing the things of our flesh are good for a season. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 25, in talking about Moses. Moses, when he was down and he was the son of, of Pharaoh, and he had been given... Uh, all this special training in the first 40 years of his life. It says in verse 24 of uh, Hebrews 11, it says, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Hey, sin is, there is pleasure in sin for a season. How do you think that people go to, to Las Vegas and gamble all that they don't even know you need to do that. They can go here in, in Montana and Stevensville and all these gambling casino places. You can get all that stuff here. You don't have to go to Las Vegas. Well, what is it? A pleasure of sin for a season. As a, as a young boy, I, I, my parents, we were going to, to Reno. Uh, there was, we had a meeting up, up there. It wasn't go to the bars or any of that type of stuff. But my parents, they, they looked for teachable moments. There was a cafe right outside a casino. I'd never seen a, ca a casino. There was no casinos in California at that time. And so I didn't even know what a casino was. My parents said, you know what, it's good for you to, to understand what that's all about. So we went to a restaurant and we looked inside. Now I was a penny pincher. And man, I, didn't, I didn't like to let my money go. I'd hold it tight. And so I watched these, my parents, there was a door and you could look into the casino and we were sitting here having a meal and I was watching these people and they had quarters and half dollars and they were putting in the machine and pulling this thing. And they were putting another one and pulling it and putting another one in and pulling it and putting in another, and nothing, these little things are twisted and, and nothing was coming out. I'm sitting here saying, what are you doing? I was just a little kid. I had more wisdom than those people who walked in the casino. Can I tell you something? Down here in the casino, the people are down there. Oh, man, I'm going to hit it big. The next time when I put it in, it's going to be the... <laughs> That's the reason why they're in business, because the odds are you're not going to hit it big. That's exactly the right. That's exactly. People, boy, when I get the lottery, it's going to be an amazing thing. I'm going to do great things for God. No, no, you won't. You know, if you're not doing something for God now, don't, you know, don't pollute the house of God by bringing corrupt money into the house of God. Just tithe and do what God says. You're going to find God's peace. You go out in the world and live like the world, and that pleasure of sin is for a season. How many people's lives have been destroyed by that casino? How many children have had nothing to eat because daddy's taken the money and, and wasted it at some casino or some card place? Wasted it on booze or other things. Our, our body is natural, filling the desires of the flesh and the mind. We hear this term so often, just do what comes what? Naturally. Just do what comes naturally. Well, our old body is natural. 
It's fleshly. You know, if we live in the flesh, we can't please God. So what do you mean, we live in the flesh? You live after your flesh and the passions of your flesh, you're not going to please God. How do you know? Go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. There are some people here that were trying to live after the flesh. When we got saved, God put his spirit inside us. He gave us a spiritual body. He gave us a, a, a spiritual, he put his spirit inside us to help our spirit to do what's right. It says in verse number five, it says, for they that are after the flesh do mind, they do, that idea do mind, it's the idea of they have the mind, they seek after, they strive for the things that are the flesh. A person who's fleshly minded, they're looking about the fleshly thing. You don't have any spiritual understanding. They always think about the flesh. What's it going to do for me? How's it going to benefit me? What's it going to be like? Uh, how, how, how is it going to make me feel better? They do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, what? The things of the Spirit. If you're a spiritual person, you're going to be looking for what? Spiritual things. Hey, how can I build up my spirit? How can I build up, the, that's, you know, how can I build up my spiritual side? Hey, give, how you can build up your spiritual side through several ways. Number one, you can uh, read the Word of God, study the Word of God, memorize the Word of God. Hide God's Word in our heart that we might not sin against Him. We, are, we can pray. That'll build up our spiritual side. We can go soul winning because as you go soul winning, people are going to ask you questions about your, your belief and your faith, and you'll, you might not have the answers, but you'll be able to tell them about uh, what Jesus has, has done for you and what He's taught you. You can read good Christian books uh, autobiographies and biographies of, of men and women uh, uh, that have uh, lived for God and done things for God and be challenged. we got a lot of them in there, uh, Mueller and, and uh, different ones like that, of what God has done in the heart and life. Well, Pastor, you know what, I, I, you know, that, doesn't really, that doesn't really impress me. No, you're probably, you, you might be uh, just feeding your flesh. See, if you feed your flesh, whatever you feed the most is what you're going to be comfortable with. You're spirit, feeding your spirit, that's, you're going to have a hunger for spiritual things, but if you're feeding your flesh, I guarantee you, spiritual things are not going to be number one priority in your life. That's what Paul is saying right here. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. Notice, for to be carnally minded, fleshly minded is what? Death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Do you want to have life? Then be spiritually minded. You want to have peace? Then be spiritually minded. You know, when, you're, when you are carnally minded, you're fleshly minded, living for your, your flesh, you will have no peace. Guarantee it. Why? Because God's word tells us that. But if I'm living after the spirit, I'm living for the things of God, I'm going to have the spirit of God. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed fixed on thee because he trusteth in thee. That's spiritual thinking. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity, a hatred, an enemy of God. That's what enmity means. We have a carnal mind, a fleshly mind. We don't care about spiritual things. We're not concerned about spiritual things. We don't care about things. Well, we are the enemy of God. Well, that's not, that's not uh, what people want to hear today. They want to hear that everybody's God's child and everybody's going that. Well, that's not what God's, God's word tells us. 
If we're spiritually minded and our heart is set on spiritual things and we want the things of God, we want to know Jesus, we want to know uh, God better, then we're, uh, we're working and striving toward that direction. But if we're a carnal mind, we're at enmity, we're an enemy of God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. In other words, the person who's living out after the flesh and trying to fulfill the desires of the flesh, when God tells them something, they're not going to believe it, they're not going to do it, because what? They're at war with God. And if you're like that today, may I share with you, there's no joy in that. There's only going to be joy and peace when you're living for God. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Notice verse 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body of sin, uh, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. He's talking about this new life. We're to live in this, this spiritual life and, and living to please God, but if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwelleth in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken, make alive your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, but to, uh, to live after the flesh. For we, if we live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify, reckon to be dead, the things, the, the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Your walk reflects your Christian life, who you are, who you belong to. Your walk, it's not your talk, it's your walk. Your walk and your talk need to be together on the same plan. I, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus Christ. Well, then your walk should, should back that up. But if you're talking about worldly things and you're talking about the, getting this and that and, and you, that's where your focus is, can I tell you something? You got the wrong focus in life. You need to have the right focus and the focus is to be on the Lord. Looking unto Jesus, as we said this morning, the author and finisher of our faith. God will take care of all the other things. I'm convinced of that. And he said he will. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So you say, well, that the body is earthly. It's, it's dishonorable in that regard. It's, you know, it's got problems. It's got issues. It's natural. It's always living about the, the flesh and, and, and things that please the flesh. Well, what's the spiritual body all about? What's this new body that God has, uh, has for us? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and go back there to verse 42. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 42. So also is the resurrection of the dead. Talking, it is sown in corruption. That's the earthly body. Now let's look at the spiritual body. It is raised in incorruption. It's raised in incorruption. incorruption. You say, what's that? This new body that God's got for us. In the Greek, it's the idea of purity. That new body that the Lord's got, it's going to be pure. The root there, it's not liable to corruption or decay. It's not going to fall apart. There won't be any more pain or sorrow. It's not going to be there. Look at Revelation 21.4. Revelation 21 and verse 4. We read it. We were reading about the old... Our, our body now, we have pain, we have suffering, we have death, we have all these things. Revelation 21, verse 4, it says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more, what? Death. Neither sorrow nor crying, 
Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. New body. No more pain. Some people have been in pain for a long time. Maybe you're in pain tonight. You say, well, man, it's, it's, it's difficult. It's hard to even try to move ahead. But God says, tells you something. You know what? The best is yet to come. There's coming a time there'll be no more pain. You're gonna, he's going to give you a body that's going to be incorruptible. It's going to be pure. Not only is it going to be uh, incorruptible, but it's going to be glorious. Go back there to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15 and verse 43. So also is the resurrection from the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in corruption. Verse 43, it says, it is sown in dishonor. It is raised in what? Glory. This old, you had the old body that was, that was sown in dishonor, but the new body is going to be raised in glory. This word glory... It's the idea of, it's the word doxa. It means splendor, excellence, majesty. Your new body is going to be amazing. It's going to be glorious. Barnes says of it, he says, it shall be adapted to a world of glory and everything which here rendered it vile and valueless, cumbersome, offensive, or degraded shall be there removed. A different body. He's going to make it a glorious one. You might look at yourself now and think, well, there's nothing great about me. May I share it with you? You need to get God's perspective. God's perspective in Psalm 139, 14, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. God knows all about you, and he knew all about how he was going to create you and me. We're not a mistake as evolutionists teach. But may I share with you, God's got a body that's going to be superior and glorious. How about you? I'd like to see that body. I'd like to experience that body right now. Something else about this body, the Bible tells us in verse 43, it's going to be a body raised in power, a powerful body. Look at verse 43. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It's sown in weakness. Now we're weak, but now it's going to be raised. That new body is going to be raised in power. That word power is the word deutimus. It's where we get our idea of dynamite. That power, that body that we're going to have, it's going to be dynamite-type power. Barnes goes on to say, this does not denote power like that of God, nor like the angels. It does not affirm that it shall be endued with remarkable or enormous physical strength, or that it shall have the power of performing what would not be regarded as miraculous, it is regarded as the opposite of the word weakness and means that it shall be no longer liable to disease, no more overcome by the attacks of sickness, no more subject to the infirmities and the weaknesses which here it experiences. It shall not be prostrate by sickness, overcome by fatigue. It shall be capable of the service of God without weariness and languor. It shall need no rest as it does here, but it shall be in a world where there shall be no fatigue or disease, but where there shall be ample power to engage in the service of God forever. Man, I, I love serving God. It's a joy to serve the Lord. But you know what? Sometimes I get tired. I just poop out. No more strength. But there's coming a day when we get that new body 
People say, what are we going to do in heaven? We're going to sit on, sit, on, uh, sit on little clouds and play our harps. Well, you've got to read Revelation 22 because it says we're going to serve the Lord day and night. How in the world can I serve him day and night? I can't serve him just in the daytime all, and give him all this. I just kind of, I need sleep now because he's going to give you a new body. It's going to give you power and you're never going to run out. You're not, you're going to say, Pastor, sounds like I'm going to be like the Energizer Bunny. Be better than the Energizer Bunny, I'm telling you. God's going to give you a body with power. Oh, can you understand? When you're singing and you're praising God and you're doing what God says, your body is going to be able to have the strength and keep on going and it will, you'll just be able to do it. Your voice will work, praise God. Your voice will work. Amen. We look back there at 1 Corinthians 15, we notice something else about our body. He says it's going to be a spiritual body. Look at verse 44. It says it's sown a natural body. This body that we have now is sown a natural body. It's a physical body. Talks about Adam and Adam was of the earth. It's earthy. Remember, God formed Adam out of, the, out of the dust of the ground and breathed into him the breath of life and he became a living soul. But this body that God's going to give us, it is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. A spiritual body. I like what Barnes has to say on this. He says the word spiritual, pneumaton, here stands opposed to that word natural. It will not be a body that is subject to the laws of the vital functions or organized or sustained in that way. In other words, you have to eat. And you have to drink. If you don't eat and drink, very soon you'll die. The new, new body is not going to be based on those principles. It will be a body, a soma, but it will have so far the nature of a spirit as to be without the vital functions which, have, which here control the body. It does not mean that it, it will be without shape or form. Some people say, well, when I get my new body, it'll just be kind of a blob out there. No, no, no. They had a shape and form. Jesus had a form. Uh, it does not mean that it will not be properly a body. The idea of Paul seems to be this. It has an economy of its own, living without nourishment, not subject to decay, not liable to sickness, pain, or death. So it will be a, the body in the resurrection. It will be like so much like a spirit as to be continued without food or nourishment. You won't need to eat. But you know what? When Jesus, when he rose from the dead, he could eat. He said, hey, you got any fish? I gave him some broiled fish because they thought he was a spirit, and he ate the fish. That new body, it's not going to need that to be sustained, but you can eat it if you want it. It'll be a body like a spirit as contained without food or nourishment, to be destitute of, of uh, special physical organizations of flesh and blood and bones and veins and arteries and nerves, as here, if, if your veins get cut and the blood goes out, what happens? You die. The spiritual body doesn't need that. If you look down at verse number 50, we talked about this early. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Because that new body is a spiritual body. It's generated, it's kept alive by the spirit. It's a spiritual body.
And it will, be, it will live in the manner in which we can uh, conceive spirits to live, sustained and ex exercising its power without waste, weariness, decay, or the necessity of having its powers recruited by food and sleep. Now you have to have food and you have to have sleep in order to keep going. That body doesn't work that way. It's a spiritual body. It's going to be a body of power, not going to have disease, not going to have pain, not going to have death. Dear friend, we have some wonderful things to look forward to. The best is yet to come. Some of you have got some loved ones that are on the other side. Can I tell you something? They got a spiritual body. You say, well, what's that form when they're going to get the other? Well, they've got some form. It's not just a bunch of blobs running around. God's given them a form. Until they get their new body, it's, there's something there. Um, we don't know what that body is. That's kind of a temporary one, but he's given them something. And so as we stop and as we look, they're going to get their spiritual body. When we get our spiritual body, this is what he's talking about. This is a wonderful thing. That's why Paul said, wow. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, oh, string, uh, and the string, uh, the, the, excuse me. The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be unto God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're getting a new body. We're going to be changed. That's why when he was beaten and stoned, and, you know, his body had to have been a mess. Shipwrecked, all that type of stuff. Some of us, we go through those things, and you say, wow, I need, I thrashed my body. I was talking with somebody the other day. He said, you know, when I was a young person, I really thrashed my body. Now I'm paying for it as I get a little older. But you know what? There's good things coming. The best is yet to come. Folks, keep your eyes on the Lord and keep looking up. The Lord is coming soon. Don't allow the circumstances of your life to get you down. Look to the Lord and what he's promised you. We have a great hope. Keep your eyes on Jesus and look forward to what he will do in your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you tonight for this time. And Lord, we just do pray that you would help us tonight to be encouraged to realize the best is yet to come. I pray, God, it's encouraged those that have heard tonight. Pray, Lord, that they don't know Jesus as their Savior, that they would realize their need for him tonight and receive Jesus into their heart. He loved them and he gave himself for them that their sins might be forgiven. He was buried and he rose again to show and to demonstrate that new body that they would one day receive. We're going to be fashioned like unto his glorious body. One day we're going to have a body like his. Lord, I pray that we would rejoice. Help us, Lord, to think on these things. Helps us to get through this life realizing that this life is only short. It's only temporary. Only one life will soon be passed, and only what's done for Christ will last. And Lord, we just need to give you our all. And we pray that you would give us the strength right now to do so daily. And Lord, may we look to you. In Jesus' name we pray.